going to be reading from chapter 19 of Matthew. I'm going to be reading from verse 13 down to 30. Then children were brought to him, that's Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. The man said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honour your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Um, Please keep your Bibles open and we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. Um, And the children are going to go to their group, uh, which is going to be led by George. Uh, Well, we've heard some wonderful stories already, haven't we, of um, people who have uh, encountered God and uh, had their complete perspective on him and on their lives change. And, um, and here we encounter another bloke. Um, we're going to spend most of our time thinking about um, that guy who comes to Jesus. And you've got to ask the question, what went wrong for him? Because it starts off so well. Maybe uh, some of the football supporters could uh, sort of relate to this. It starts off so well and it ends so badly. Um, He comes to Jesus and he asks a great question. He asks possibly the question, how can I get eternal life? He's in the right place at the right time with the right person who can give him the answer to that question. And it starts off so well. And yet if you look down with me um, at um, verse 22, It says, when the young man heard this, what Jesus had just said, he went away sorrowful. He went away sad. He'd asked the great question. And yet he went away sad. 
He went away from Jesus without anything. Um, So what went so wrong? Well, what links his wealth um, uh, with his response, um, his wealth is mentioned, isn't it? So it says um, in verse uh, 22, he had great possessions. So we're meant to see something about this man's possessions, his wealth, that caused his attitude to be completely wrong. His approach to this question (laughs) to be completely wrong. Um, So let's have a look at this question. You might notice something there in the middle. He said, what good must I do to get eternal life? Trust in wealth actually turns out to be trust in self. Because the man says, what good must I do to have or to get eternal life? He kind of just sees it as a, an exchange, a transaction. He's come to Jesus, you know, Jesus, what, what must I do? And then I'll get this thing, eternal life. I know I need it. I know I'm going to die. I'm going to lay cold in the grave. I know I need eternal life. How much does it cost? What do I need to do? He approaches this situation as he approached probably most situations as transactional. What's it going to cost me? His wealth probably had taught him to do that. To be self-dependent. Who watches The Apprentice? Anyone? Yeah. Okay, just me and you. Should we just have a little chat? Should we just have a little chat about The Apprentice then? Um, This is The Apprentice. It's actually for all of you who don't watch The Apprentice. It's it's on in a few weeks' time, okay? Um, So that you can get on board with the new series, okay? Get on board with the first one because you meet all the people with this. You know, you find out what they're like and you find out what they say about themselves as well. And um, I'm I'm setting off Siri as well. Um, One of the things I I love about The Apprentice, um, and you can call me sad for this, but... um, I actually quite enjoy the awkwardness of overconfident contestants um, going up to uh, stubborn members of the British public. Because the overconfident contestant comes with with their plan, we're just going to haggle and we're going to get what we want. And the stubborn member of the British public says, well, no. And this sort of awkwardness of like the two coming together. Um, usually because their first offer is so woefully inadequate and it's actually insulting to the person. And so they get, they get over that bit. But sometimes because the item that they want of the person is not for sale. It's just not for sale. It's an heirloom. It's, a, it's something they've been handed down. It's just not for sale. Yes, you, Alan Sugar might have told you to go and get it. And yes, it might be convenient that it's here, but the item's not for sale. And you can see, it, you know, as they're sort of, the cogs whirring and them sort of taking a back step because they're confused. They've come to it with their approach, their one approach. Let's just raise the offer, raise the offer. And the sudden realisation is not for sale. Why am I saying this? Well, it's a bit like that in this passage, isn't it? The man comes and he says, what good must I do? He's got one approach. And that would be the normal approach, wouldn't it? Between us and God. We think, what must I do, God? bit like Tom described, what must I do to get the things that I need from you? 
And yet with the words, uh, with man, this is impossible. Jesus levels the guy. And in effect, he's saying it's not for sale. You can't do it. You can't get eternal life. You can't offer anything in return for eternal life. It's not for sale. You can't buy or haggle your way into the kingdom of God. It's not going to work. So the first thing we see about this eternal life that this man desperately wants is that it won't be earned. Why? Well, that's, uh, we're going to see in Jesus' response to the man, why? And the answer to why it can't be earned is because we can't keep God's law. Um, you might be interested, it says, uh, Jesus answered the man um, in verse 17, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. So the first thing Jesus does for the man in showing him he can't get eternal life is he says that only God is good. <laughs> if only God is good, then we're not good. God is the only one who is good. He points him to who God is and what he is like. The second thing he does in the second half of that verse, he says, um, he points him to God's law. He says, there is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And by pointing this man to, the, to God's perfect standards, it should show him <laughs> and all of us that we're, we're woefully short of that. We fall far short of God's standard. We're going to have a little look at the kind of commands that Jesus points out. Notice um, the haggling in verse 18. Okay, keep the commandments. Which ones? If, you know, let's, let's, let's bring the offer down a bit. The commandments, that's, that's quite broad. Um, which ones? Okay. And Jesus says, here's the ones in verse 18. He says, which ones? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness or lie. Um, Honour your father as, uh, and your mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Um, which ones are missing? Um, and what, what's covered in those commandments? Yeah, okay, right. So the ones, ones commandments one to four, which, which Jesus doesn't go for, interestingly, are all about our relationship, how we relate to God. <laughs> there is only one God. Honour him. Don't use his name in vain. And, and, all, and don't um, have any other gods other than him. Jesus could have gone for those commandments. And it would have shown the same thing. But interestingly, he doesn't. What he goes for, in order to show us that we're, we fall short of God's standard, is he goes for the ones on how we relate to each other. And he only needs to show us those laws, those standards. And it shows that we, don't, we fall short of that. So he says, all of the ones that relate to other people shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother. And the summary of the law, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. This, uh, this list is meant to show the man that he falls short of that. It's meant to show us we, sh we fall short of that. We don't love other people as we love ourselves. We're very, very good at loving ourselves. But we don't love others in the same way. 
treat others as you would like to be treated is the mantra, isn't it, in school, schools and classrooms. You know, treat others as you would like to be treated. They have to say that because people are doing that. Because naturally we don't do that. Um, I don't do that. So uh, I was riding my bike over in Ascot in my sort of you know, high-flying days when I was serving dinners to people who um, were sort of minor celebrities. I was getting paid like £6 an hour. But, um, and, and, and I was riding my bike and this guy pulls out in front of me and I, and I wasn't watching where I was going and I bumped my bike into the back of his car. And he came out and he was like, you're right, mate. He was really concerned about me. I'd smashed his back rear light. And he hadn't noticed. And I was thinking, my £6 an hour isn't going to go very far if I have to replace a car light. And so I cycled on. And he was in the car with his family. And I thought of myself. And he had to get home and he had to look at the back of his car after being very concerned for me and think, I wish I hadn't done that because he's taken me for a laugh, hasn't he? We, we're very good at thinking of ourselves in the situation. And our natural response is to love ourselves and not to love others. And you can play that out in any relationship we have with other people. Family members, <laughs> we all know how that goes, don't we? Um, if anyone pushes our buttons, you see what we're really like. And Jesus takes, us to that, takes that man to that list and he says, look, you haven't kept God's standard, really. You haven't. So the reason why you can't do it is because you fall short of God's standard. You're not good. I'm not good. And so if we can't do it, it's a pre- it seems like a pretty depressing state of affairs, doesn't it? You know, we can't do it. No go. Nothing's going to happen. We need eternal life. We need to know um, forgiveness, but we can't get it. And then the disciples are a bit put out, put out by this because they've seen a guy who walks up to Jesus who is, is, is wealthy. It looks like he's got everything going for him in life. He's saying he keeps all the commandments. And Jesus says, he, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And they say the right question, who then can be saved? If this man can't be, what hope is there for anyone else? And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He, he just answers them. And he he wants to teach them that exact point. He says, verse 23, Truly I say to you, only will difficulty with a a righteous person enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When they say, verse 25, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them, verse 26, and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So with, with God, it is possible. For anyone trying to do it themselves, trusting in whatever they have to offer God, and they think that will be enough, it's the equivalent of a camel trying to squeeze himself through the eye of a needle. What God has to do first is he needs to humble us, <laughs> to show us we can't do it. We need his help. We need to accept that we can't do it so that we would accept the help that he gives us. And so there, there you go. Uh, Jesus says, you can't do it. Only God is good. You haven't kept God's standard, really. Uh, it's impossible. 
but God can do the impossible. That's good news, isn't it? It's good news that God does the impossible for us, that he makes the way possible for us to know him. He makes the way possible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, to enjoy life with him forever. And he does that through his son, Jesus. He sends his son who was perfect. He always obeyed the, uh, God. He always loved others. He never put himself over and above them. And he took on himself the punishment for our sin, the separation from God that we should have so that we could then become God's friends. And the man goes away sad. And I think this is here to challenge us (laughs) because you can walk away from the jackpot of Jesus tonight you can walk away from the jackpot of jesus because because you think actually there must be something in this life that is better than jesus there isn't he is the one we were made for he is the one who we who can who died so that we might be live forever and yet the man because he didn't want to give up what he had because he was holding on to to the riches in this life he couldn't then hold, uh, lay hold of the, the riches in the life to come. If your hands are full, you're not, gonna, you're not ready to receive. Um, Jesus, interestingly, if you look at the um, verse 13 um, down to 15, Jesus commends the little children, or he says, um, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He's not just saying, oh, all children. And, you know, only children, not adults. But but what point is he making? He's making the point that they have been, they are humbly receiving. They're coming to him and they're saying, they, they just want to be with him. They, they they don't know about the the things that should hold them back from him. They, they just come to him and they receive. And that's the ones that Jesus said. That's the attitude we need to have um, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. But first, he has to humble us to make that possible. So that's the first good question. Um, the man says, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God or to have eternal life? And the answer is, you can't do it, but God can. Um, the disciples then say um, in verse, um, look down at verse 27, Peter said in reply, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And this is for Christians who are here today, because they, the disciples are, are thinking, you know, we've left everything, and they, they had actually. <laughs> the disciples had actually walked away from their jobs, their homes, their families, and followed Jesus. When he said, come follow me, they did. And as us today, we, you know, Christians do give up something when they follow Jesus. Much as has been described, they give up perhaps the things that they were going for, aspiring for. They give up the life that they were living in sin and perhaps the sinful relationships they were in. And here they ask a question of Jesus and notice he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, oh, foolish disciples, you know, how can you be so ungrateful? He says, He answers them in verse 28. Their question is, what then will we have? 
Or what then will there be for us? And he says this in verse 28. Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. For those who are Christians who will have times when things are hard because actually following Jesus doesn't, all, like, doesn't always um, go well. <laughs> People don't often want us to follow Jesus. They will, they will say things which are, you know, they will put us in situations where they are against us because we're following Jesus. And this question of what then will we have is a very real question. And we can be concerned as Christians. We can say, oh no, is this is all going wrong? What's happening? And yet Jesus doesn't laugh in our face. He doesn't say, oh, you're so weak and foolish. He reassures us of what is going to uh, be coming. He reassures us of what eternal life will be like for all those who put their trust in him. And it will be fantastic. Anything that we might have given up in order to follow Jesus in this life. He says, in heaven it will be a hundredfold. Anything that we, we could give up for Jesus, for following Jesus now, think about that. What might that be for you? That job, job promotion, that, um, that relationship with your family that, that just is a bit different now that you're a Christian. Perhaps they don't understand why you do things the way that you do. That can be painful, but, but Jesus says in heaven it will be a hundredfold. For some people, following Jesus will mean not getting married, not having a sexual partner, because that would be to go against what God says about marriage. And the, and the world would say, um, you're losing out, you're missing out. Because you can't have sex. And yet the person can say, I will receive a hundredfold. Eternal life with God in heaven. And then Jesus summarizes it all, everything he's just said by saying in verse 30, but many who are first in this life will be last. They will find out on the day when Jesus returns that everything that they've been living for, even if it was doing everything it could do for them in this life, it all comes crumbling down. Because they can't, they're not going to enter the kingdom of God. And the last, those who, who, who take on the, the, the journey of Jesus, the, the humiliation, the scorn of being a follower of Jesus in this life, those who are last, who are, who are cast down, who people say, oh, you're stupid, you know, why are you even doing that? Why give up a job, uh, a career, you know, with the police and uh, a dream of being, being somebody to work with children? You know? And yet, they will receive eternal life. They will be first. So it's very different. Jesus flips everything on its head and everything that we thought about coming to God, he flips on its head. We can't do it. We need him to do it for us.
And we need to come humbled by him to receive the free gift that he gives us. And so if you're here for the first time and you're thinking, what's, what's the Bible about? What's Jesus about? Well, well that's it. <laughs> he offers this to us. And yet he needs to humble us to receive it. And so why don't you pray um, that he would do that for you this evening. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you do uh, welcome little children, that you do want us to come to you as children, those who have been humbled by you to receive, to not come with our ideas, our achievements, uh, but to come empty-handed. And thank you that you fill those empty hands with, with far more than we could ever imagine with life with you, knowing you as our saviour and friend. And the new world to come, eternal life. We thank you for that wonderful uh, hope that you put into our lives. We would be so lost without it. Thank you that you want us to come to you and that you invite us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.